Our scripture reading for this morning is located in the fourth chapter of the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippians. Prepare your heart and spirit for the reading of Holy Scripture. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me, but had no opportunity to show it. Not that I am referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, as you can see, we're starting a new sermon series on being undistracted, in having a life that is focused on what's vital, what's important, what God asks us to pay attention to. When I was talking uh, to someone earlier this week uh, about distractions and, and what they look like and how they were uh, sort of kind of in our lives and it's something we battle all the time and it really doesn't lead to anything mostly good in our lives. This uh, friend of mine said, that reminds me of a restaurant and market down in Santa Rosa Beach. And I thought, well, you're distracted right now, you know? <laughs> but she said, no, there's this restaurant called Goat Feathers down on 30A. And I came to find out through her that this name goat feathers that sounds just strange for a seafood restaurant and market comes from a quote from an early uh, author in the early 1900s ellis parker butler and this short story is called goat feathers and in the story this is a person who uh, admits that they have sort of wasted time they have gone around fiddling with things that aren't really important and they have lost the opportunity to become somebody great. In fact, this author compares himself to a contemporary, Mark Twain, and says, you know, if I didn't chase these goat feathers, I would be somebody like Mark Twain. He says that they would chase these goat feathers. Now, there is no such thing as a goat feather as far as I know, but let's say this is a goat feather. You would go around chasing these and spending all your time trying to get something like this, and then you would need another one and another one and at the end, you have a pile of feathers that really don't do much at all. Distractions are sometimes like this. We think we're doing something important, but then they pile up, and we really don't have too much to show for it. The quote from the short story uh, is going to be on the screen, and it says, Goat feathers uh, are the distractions, sidelines, and deflections that take a man's attention from his own business and keep him from getting ahead they keep us from where our attention should be and get us on something completely different 
There are several Bible passages about being distracted. One of the ones that sort of stands out to me is from the 10th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And in the Gospel of Luke, we have this scene where Jesus is invited to come into the house of Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha uh, and their brother Lazarus lived together, and they invited Jesus to come in, and he was teaching during that time. Mary, one of the sisters, sits at the feet of Jesus, and she listens to everything that he is saying and just treasures these words. But Martha is trying to make preparations. She's trying to be a host. She's trying to make sure that everybody has what they need. And so she's busy, just fluttering around in the background. And it says in the Bible, Luke says, that she was distracted by her many preparations. Now, if you continue reading, you find out that Jesus even points out, you're distracted by all these things. They're not bad things. You know, being a good host, making a good impression, that's not a bad thing. But she was so distracted by this thing that she had to do at this moment in her mind that she was missing sitting at the feet of Jesus like her sister Mary and treasuring the words that were being spoken, these wonderful lessons these words from our God and Savior that are just being, you know, poured out in front of everybody in her home, and she wasn't hearing any of it. There's a word in New Testament Greek that's actually listed in that passage in Luke chapter 10, verse 40, and it's paraspeho, paraspeho. It means to drag or draw away. So, Martha is so distracted by her many preparations that she's drawn away or dragged away from where her brain should be at that moment. It should be right there with Jesus, listening to what he's saying. But she's distracted from it. She's drawn away from what's important. Again, there are things that distract us that are good and fine, but it may not be the right thing for us at that time. Sometimes we're overwhelmed we are sad. We are we're in need of a distraction sometimes to get ourselves out of a broken cycle. And so sometimes distractions may be fine to sort of break us free from whatever we're doing. But distractions can become so cyclical, uh, so uh, sort of invasive to our purpose and our passion that we end up losing our focus and finding ourselves way off course, adrift, away from where we're supposed to be. So that's what we're going to be talking about over the next five weeks, including today. We're going to ask ourselves, how can we be distracted in our attitude today? And then we're going to talk a little bit more about what it means for us to be distracted in our service, our relationships, our faith, our purpose, all trying to make sure that we're getting more focus in our lives, more focus in who we are and how we live our lives, and to make sure we're more in harmony with God in all of those things. So first of all, let's talk a little bit more about the passage that Pastor Maggie read for us today from Philippians chapter 4. It's important for us to know that in Philippians, Paul is writing to us from a prison cell. He's writing to us from prison. Now, it may have been an actual prison cell. He may have been in house arrest. This was in Rome, in Italy, the capital of the Roman Empire at that time. This is probably towards the end of Paul's life. 
at the end of his life, after all of things that he has done, all of the book of Acts, all the other letters for the most part are written up until this point. He has done so much and he is at the end of the line, possibly. He knows that. He knows that he is coming up to trial and it may not go well for him. And so he's writing this letter to the church in Philippi, to the Christians in that city, and he's asking them, did you hear what Pastor Maggie read first? Rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Give praise to God. Be thankful to God and do it over and over again, no matter what's going on, no matter the situation, no matter if you're on the up or on the down, rejoice and give thanks to God. He continues on in the letter saying some important things that I think we need to really focus on as we talk about Paul. Because again, he is in prison. And remember, up until this point, he has been beaten, shipwrecked, plotted against, arrested, stoned, and so much more. I don't know about you, but if I knew somebody who had been through something like that, I would give them a free pass to be miserable, right? They would get a free pass to be miserable. I would just show them a lot of grace and say, well, you know what happened to them? Paul could have been that person. He could have been miserable. He could have said, woe is me for all the difficult things that have happened to him. He is in prison writing to us. He cannot go freely to come and talk to his beloved friends in Philippi. And yet he tells them, rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice. Then he says, this is what, uh, the end of what Pastor Maggie read for us. For I have learned, learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little. I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now that passage really stands out. First of all, because of that last sentence. You may have heard that sentence before. It's almost like a personal mantra, right? Something that you say before you're about to do something difficult. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God's on my side. I can face anything. And that, believe me, is important. And we need to have those kind of mantras. But doesn't it change it just a little bit knowing what's going on in Paul's life? And the, the verses before then to say, he has been through so much. He's been through so many difficulties and he can still maintain that attitude of hope and faithfulness. And he believes even when he is locked away that he can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he wants other people to feel that way. Now, this is, again, not something that we would find normal if any of us had been through a lot of difficulty like this, we might have a negative attitude. We might feel hurt or abandoned. We might be angry at God. We might be miserable. But Paul doesn't do that. Paul chooses instead to have a better attitude, to have a more hopeful and faithful attitude. He gives us a little hint in two previous chapters in Philippians about how he does that. In Philippians chapter two, he says this. He says, have the same mind that was in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to quote what we think is a hymn, saying that, that Jesus himself 
made himself an offering for us that he did not think he was too special, that he wouldn't have to come down from heaven. No, Jesus humbled himself and did so out of love for us. He was choosing choosing to be gracious to us choosing to be loving to us choosing to be with us so paul says have that same mind have that same mindset now that word mind is probably closer to the original greek but there's another translation of the bible it's called the common english bible and guess how they translate that same passage Instead of let the same mind that's in Christ be in you, it says this, adopt the attitude of Christ Jesus. Adopt the attitude of Christ Jesus. So Paul, given all that he's been through, decides to adopt the attitude of Jesus instead of allowing the world and the situations around him to dominate and dictate the way he's supposed to act and feel. He chooses. Now, this is easier said than done, isn't it? It's easier said than done, but Paul was able to do it. Even in those difficult circumstances, he says, I'm going to strive to have the same attitude, the same mindset that Jesus had. And the reason is, is because he feels that this will not only improve his life, but also be helpful to other people. Because remember, he's an evangelist. He's trying to convince people to believe in what he is saying about Jesus and with that hopeful passionate faithful attitude he believes that he can convince more and more people to have the same attitude and the same faith Paul chooses to adopt the better attitude now think about it again let's go back to his hardships he has been through so much he's in prison He's been beaten and betrayed by some of his own people, his own Jewish people. He could have turned his back on them and stopped preaching the gospel to them, right? He feels like, you've done this to me, I'm cutting you off. But he doesn't do that. For the Romans who arrested him, who made his life terrible and are holding him in prison for two years while he's awaiting trial. He could have played the system or gotten back to them in some way, but he doesn't do that. Again, he chooses to have the attitude of Jesus instead of allowing the world to dictate the way he should react and live. Paul's attitude change affected his behavior. Because he chose the better attitude, he's not allowing himself to then become negative and hurtful towards other people. Our attitude can affect our behavior. And that's something important to know. Because if we have a negative attitude, if we have that sort of hurt-by-the-world attitude, we are going to shut ourselves off from others, and we are going to sometimes even pour more negativity and hurt onto others. Maybe you've heard that saying before, hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people. Do you get it? When you're hurt, you often hurt other people. What we can do is to try to bring healing to our attitude and our relationships so that we're not hurting people, we're doing good and we're showing love and we're improving our attitude. 
Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22 says it this way. It says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a downward or downcast spirit dries up the bones. Right? So a negative attitude ends up sort of becoming that cyclical thing in our lives where that negativity kind of stews in our hearts and in our minds and it produces nothing more but negativity. And so think about this way. If, if you have a negative or hurt attitude, it ends up sort of drying out your life. You have less hope. You have less love to go around. If we adopt the attitude of Jesus Christ, there's a lot more hope and a lot more love that we can share with others. We can be much more present with others. A negative attitude can dry up our lives, but it also clouds how we see the world. Years ago, there was a study about the video game Tetris. Some of you may remember this game. Uh, it was put out in the late 80s, I think, on the Game Boy, and then it went out to all these other Nintendo uh, game units. It was built by Russian software engineers, and essentially, your job, well, that's me. Um, <laughs> essentially, your job is to try to fit those pieces into the openings there, right? And you have to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. You're continually trying to put it together like a puzzle. What the scientists did is they asked people to play these games over and over and over again, and then they figured out what happened to them after playing that game. And do you know what happened? When people closed their eyes or they were trying to go to bed, do you know what they would see? Even through their eyes closed, they would see those blocks going down in front of them. I'm sure it was nerve-wracking. But you know what else started happening? The people that did this study, when they would go into a room, they would figure out how things fit together. They might move furniture so it looked more neat. They, sometimes they would even go to the supermarket and they would notice that the boxes and the cans were not lined up correctly and they would go around fixing it, right? But if they had not played Tetris before then for so many hours, they probably would have walked by that very same place. How they spent their time affected the way they saw the world. And I want to tell you that our attitudes are the same. When, when we have a negative attitude, it clouds the way we look at the world. When we have a positive attitude, it helps us see the world in a better light. Remember Paul in the prison cell? He could have said, you know, listen, bad things are going to happen to you. But what does he say? He doesn't say anything other than rejoice. And I say, again, I say rejoice. Love one. He's telling people to be happy in their circumstances. I've found the secret of how to get through all these negative experiences, and it's by adopting the mindset and the attitude of Christ. Friends, if we have a downcast spirit, if we have a negative attitude, we tend to look for the worst. If we already believe that someone's a bad person, if we have this mindset, we're going to look for evidence that supports that they're bad, and we're going to ignore anything that says otherwise. If we're upset about something, if we think there's no hope, we're going to ignore the signs of God working in the world, and we're going to only focus on what we think is right. You see the difference? When we have a positive attitude, when we have a hopeful, Christian, loving, Christ 
focused attitude, it can change the way we look at the world. It can change who we are as people and disciples. It can make, make a difference in how we live. Now, I, I'm going to tell you that this is not easy. Again, it is easier said than done. My wife, Julie Holly, works with college students at Birmingham Southern College. She's the chaplain there. She's the pastor for the students and all the faculty and staff. And a lot of these college students find it very difficult in the midst of all of their emotional uh, issues, their fights with their friends or their roommates, to go to class and take a final exam. It's just very difficult for them to do that, to separate themselves from the emotion and the attitude that they have and the tasks at hand. And so she got a little cross-stitch thing, this little sewed sign uh, that uh, we're going to see here, and it says, check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> and she has this in her office. Now, what in the world does that mean other than a lyric from a long time ago? What does that mean? Check yourself. It means... How am I feeling? How am I acting? What's my attitude right now? Is it what I want it to be? Because if I'm not careful, if I'm just reacting to the world, I might wreck a relationship. I might wreck a test. I may make my world a little worse if I'm not careful. Uh, Pastor Adam Hamilton was talking about some folks that made a really bad choice in his church up in Kansas City, and he asked them, what were you thinking? Do you know what they said? I wasn't thinking. If we don't check ourselves and to think about how we're acting, we can sometimes, again, allow our negative attitude or downcast spirit to affect others. Think about if you've had a bad day at the office or work or at school, whatever it is. You've had a terrible day and you walk up to the door. You have a, a choice at that moment. You can check yourself and say, am I gonna carry the baggage of the day? Am I gonna carry the negativity, the fights, the, the, all the difficulties of that day? Am I about to carry that inside to my house or to my group of friends? Am I gonna allow that to flood over onto them and wreck their lives or can I put it down for a moment can I lay it down on the doorstep come in and be who I am needed to be for a moment that doesn't mean that you're just ignoring what you've been through it just means that you may not need to have that attitude right that instant we need friends we need a loved one we need someone to process our days and to help us go over things whether, again, it's a spouse or a counselor, we need somebody to process this negative attitude that we sometimes have, but it doesn't have to flood our entire life. This is a distraction. This negative attitude, these negative choices are a distraction from who God wants us to be. The opposite of a distraction is focus. We need to have more focus in our lives so that we can tune out the negative we can tune out the sinful we can tune out the things that we don't want to be a part of our attitude think about people who pay attention people who pay attention usually have their eyes locked on what they're looking at whether it's a person they're having a conversation with or they're looking at the screen they're looking into the book that they're reading they're not distracted they are focused on what they're doing the task at hand 
People that are focused often have their ears open and they find ways to tune out the noise in the world. They tune out other conversations so that they can pay attention only to you. And they have their mind open. People who are focused try to open their mind and, and to think about what's going on ahead of them, in front of them, instead of listening to all these little thoughts that pop into our head. When you're focused, you tune out the distractions, you tune out the noise so that you can pay attention to God and see what happens in the process. We're not trapped, friends. We're not trapped in our attitudes. We can break away and choose things that are better for us and maybe even change our attitude. Whether it's a choice to have the uh, mindset of Christ or a choice to do something that breaks us out of that. A few weeks ago, I was talking to one of our church members here at Asbury who was relaying to me that two years ago, 2020, in the midst of the lockdown and the early days of COVID, uh, there was uh, all the riots related to George Floyd going on around the country, and it happened here in Birmingham. And this person was watching uh, the TV was watching the news and was just saddened by what they were seeing and down, downcast by what was happening in our city and happening to people, real people that were being, being hurt by this tragedy. And instead of sitting in their house watching the news, instead of sitting there in their worries or fears or negative thoughts, you know what they did? They got in their car. And they went to anywhere and everywhere they could. They just walked into stores and restaurants and just said, I love you and God loves you too. And by taking that step of not allowing the negative attitude to, in a sense, imprison them in their life, they were able to go out and put something better into the world. And friends, I think that that's kind of the choice that we have. Are we going to allow our attitudes to imprison us or are we going to choose to adopt the attitude of Christ? It takes a choice, it takes practice, and it takes focus. These are all things that we need to learn to adopt if we're going to do this. Learn to pay attention. Check yourself. How are you feeling? How are you acting? Are you burdened with something? And is it really the thing that you need to carry into the room or into the home or in the office? And if you have a choice... Will you choose, will you choose to turn your attention over to the one who can give you more than a good attitude, but to give you peace beyond all understanding? Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we ask that you would flood us with your love and peace and help us to choose to have a better attitude, an attitude more in harmony with your son. Thanks be to God. Amen.